Our scripture reading today is from Ephesians chapter 4. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Thank you, Sharon. Now, good morning, everyone. And a happy new year to you. God's blessings as we go forth into this new year and as we begin for us in the church year, uh, a new church season, the season of Epiphany, although uh, officially really Epiphany is part of the threefold part of the celebration of Christmas. When you consider Advent, Christmas, Epiphany is also part of that celebration. Uh, as we remember, uh, the word Epiphany itself means to manifest or to make known. Uh, traditionally on this weekend, uh, we, we remember how the Magi were led by the light of the star to be introduced to the one who is the light of the world. And so the season of Epiphany is all about God manifesting, God making known the light of Jesus Christ, not only to us, but to all who are caught up in the darkness of sin. And how appropriate that is that we lead into uh, this new sermon series that is part of our new church year, uh, and uh, where we are focusing on the latter three chapters of Paul's letter to the Christians living in Ephesus. Now, if you were with us uh, back uh, this past summer, you might recall that we spent a period of time focusing on the first three chapters of Paul's letter to the Philippians during that uh, summer series. Uh, we entitled that a CLC Under Construction because if you will recall during that point in time, we were uh, actively building on the Fisher site. The construction was taking place. We were anticipating in the fall launching that new ministry and now here we are. Uh, that site has been launched and uh, in fact uh, worshiping somewhere around 300, 350 already uh, on a weekend. Just some neat things going on. Uh, in the life of that congregation. Well, as we go into this new sermon series focused on the, latter, the last three chapters of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, uh, it would be easy for us to, to just kick back and kind of think like the rich man in Jesus' parable who said, uh, you have plenty of good things stored up for many years. Eat, drink, and be merry. Just kick back and, and take it easy. But the truth is, my friends, the construction process is not yet over. Granted, we have a building up, beautiful uh, facility over there in our Fisher site. If you haven't visited it yet, encourage you to do so. If you've got kids or grandkids, uh, encourage them too with the playscape uh, that's over there. Just need opportunity to interact uh, in that way. Uh, but what we recognize here is that God's construction of us as His people is not yet over. There is still more for us to do. And so today we begin this new sermon series with a renewed focus on Paul's letter to the, the Ephesians, only now we do so under the theme of living in the light of Christ. Because with this return to Paul's letter to the Ephesians, there is a transition in focus that we are also making. You see, in the first three chapters of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, Paul's focus is on Christian doctrine. In other words, the truths that God wants you and I to know. 
In fact, with the exception of Paul's letter to the Romans, there is probably no other place in all of the New Testament that gives a more thorough explanation of Christian doctrine than the first three chapters of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. But with chapter 4, Paul changes his focus from Christian doctrine to Christian duty. In other words, he transitions from what God wants us to know to what God wants us to do. And in so doing, Paul provides us with kind of a reverse perspective of the familiar duck test. And you're going, all right, Pastor Dan, what's the duck test? Oh, you know what the duck test is. If it looks like a duck, swims like a duck, quacks like a duck, then it probably is. See, you know the duck test. Only Paul's version of the duck test goes something like this. If it is a duck, then it will look. It will swim. It will quack. Only the Apostle Paul puts it this way. I urge you, to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. In other words, my friends, because we are children of God through faith in the life, death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, then it is going to show in the way that we think, in the words that we use, and how we conduct ourselves in our daily lives. We will look, we will think like a child of God. We will talk like a child of God. We will behave like a child of God. But that is not always easy, is it? More often than we care to consider, our thoughts, our words, our behavior tend to be out of alignment with what it means to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, there are more times than we care to admit, but if we were honest, we are deserving oftentimes of the label that is oftentimes thrown out against us as Christians. We are deserving of the label of hypocrite because our walk does not reflect our talk and our talk does not reflect our walk. To illustrate just how closely our sinful human nature lies beneath the surface of each and every one of us and is just looking for any opportunity to rear its ugly head, I want to uh, take you back to a moment in my life uh, uh, a little more than three years ago. But first of all, uh, those of you who know me and know me well, I am not one who is given over to foul language. Uh, in, in fact, not even euphemisms. I don't use gosh or darn or, or heck. That's just not part of my vocabulary. But back on the day, a little more than three years ago, of my sudden cardiac arrest, I uh, had a recent conversation with one of the EMT guys who was there by my side, uh, as, not only from here, but on the way to the hospital. And he said to me, Pastor Dan, it, it was a dire situation there in the ambulance because we weren't sure of your survival at that point in time, but you had us in stitches. I said, well, how's that? Well, he says, let me just say that the words that were coming out of your mouth were rather colorful. <laughs> I said, what? 
He says, yeah. He said, you weren't happy over the fact that you weren't given the opportunity to preach. And you were blaming the devil. And you were calling him every name in the book, the kind of words that my mother would have washed my mouth out with soap. And I said to him, well, can you share with me some of those words? He says, no, I'm too embarrassed to repeat them. Even the emergency room nurse uh, said to Sue before she went in to see me, the emergency room nurse said, you need to be prepared. His language isn't all that purposeful right now. <laughs> to this day, I have no idea what I said, but nobody, no, everybody's too embarrassed to repeat it. <laughs> I share that with you just to simply illustrate how Satan, the world, and our own sinful flesh are constantly looking for opportunities to take control of our thinking, of our behavior, of our words. And understand, the goal is not just to simply undermine our relationship with Almighty God or our relationship with one another. Ultimately, it is to empty our Christian witness of having any kind of an impact on the lives of others. And nothing, my friends, empties our Christian witness, our Christian integrity faster than attitudes, actions, or language that are incongruent with our relationship with Jesus Christ. And that is why the Apostle Paul challenges you and me as followers of Christ with these words, to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And what is most important to note here is the fact that the Apostle Paul is not merely talking about how Christians are to behave out there in the world. He is specifically talking about how Christians are to conduct themselves among one another. You see, our witness to the world begins right here in our witness to one another. And the Apostle Paul is not talking about some, some well-polished hypocrisy. Rather, he is talking about you and me living in genuine, caring, Christian relationships with one another. Because you see, the more Christ-like that we are to one another, that has its own way of translating to our being more Christ-like in the world around us. And so to this end, the Apostle Paul provides us with a quick list of four simple ways in which you and I can be more Christ-like to one another. Now understand, this is not an exhaustive list. The Apostle Paul could go on and on and on. There are many more that he could cover, but he just gives us these four. Because in a sense, for Paul, these are the surefire go-to list. If you're looking to make a difference, if you're looking to impact the lives not only of those around you, uh, but those even beyond, then these are your four go-to characteristics. Conduct yourself in the, in, according to these ways, and you will have a lasting impact on the lives of others. And as children of God who want to make a difference in the world around us, in the lives of others, these four characteristics are not only worthy of our attention, but they are worthy of our aspiration. 
First of all, to live like the child of God that we are, we need to be humble. And to be clear, the Apostle Paul is not talking about some token artificial frontal, uh, uh, artificial hum humility. Paul says be completely humble. And the word for humble that he uses here literally means to lay down your heart, to lay down your mind, to lay down your thoughts. In other words, everything about you, to set it aside for the sake of someone else. The imagery that Paul has in mind here is that of self-sacrifice. Jesus, of course, exemplified humility on the night in which he was betrayed when he washed his disciples' feet and said, I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. And Jesus' greatest example of humility was when he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even death upon a cross. My friends, to live like the child of God that we are. Paul tells us in his letter to the Philippians that we need to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than ourselves. Each of us should look not only to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. Our attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. The integrity of our witness to one another and to the world increases the more that you and I are completely humble, beginning right here with one another. Secondly, to live like the child of God that we are, we also need to be gentle. Now, Jesus certainly was gentle. He demonstrated it in the way that he treated children and societal outcasts. He conveyed it beautifully when he said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. The word that Paul uses here for gentle literally means strength under control. It is like the bridling of a horse to where the strength of that mighty animal is easily brought under control. Jesus exemplified this as the prophet Isaiah had foretold of the servant of God. A bruised reed he will not break. And a smoldering wick he will not snuff out till he leads justice to victory. Even when taunted and derided while suffering on the cross of Calvary, instead of responding with all of the force and the might and the power that was at his disposal as the Son of God, Jesus instead said, Father, forgive them but they do not know what they are doing. My friends, to live like the child of God that we are. Paul reminds us that we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak. A gentle Christian is considerate of others and strives to be sensitive and understanding 
especially to, to those brothers and sisters of our Lord who are struggling in the faith and growing, dealing with challenges that are confronting them in their lives. The integrity of our witness to one another and to the world increases the more that you and I are gentle. Thirdly, to live like the child of God that we are, we especially need to be patient. Now, patience is a little bit like physical fitness. You, you, you don't gain it unless you go through a little bit of stress, a little bit of struggle, a little bit of trying in our lives. This is where, insightfully, the literal translation for the word patience is long-suffering. True patience is giving the other person all the time in the world they need in order to change. No greater example of patience do we have than Almighty God Himself. The moment sin entered into the world, instead of dealing and punishing us justly and getting what our deeds deserved, Almighty God could have easily just wiped, us, wiped the world of all of us. But instead, God made a promise that one day He would send a Savior. And in time, that Savior was revealed to us in the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And now, as we await His victorious return, Peter reminds us how the Lord continues to be patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Hopefully, we can see anew why the integrity of our witness to one another and to the world increases the more that you and I are patient, beginning with one another. And finally, to live like the child of God that we are, we need to bear with one another in love. Perhaps you have heard the expression, please bear with me. Perhaps you've even said it. Because truth is, there are times when you and I can be pretty unbearable individuals. All you have to do is ask my wife, ask my kids, ask those who are closest to us, and I'm sure they all have stories about each and every one of us, about how unbearable we can be. And all of us would be in a heap of hurt if it were not for those around us who did not bear with our shenanigans, with our self-centeredness, our pride, our arrogance, our idiosyncrasies. What makes the difference in those relationships is love. And not love as a feeling or love as emotion, but love as a commitment, love as a choice, love as a, a conscious decision, the kind of love that says, no matter what, I will always be there for you. Is that not the love that God has shown to us? Paul reminds us in Romans 5, 8, how God demonstrates His own love to us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And likewise, my friends, we need to bear with one another, just as Christ bore with us when we were living apart from Him in sin. Just as Christ bore all of our sins on the cross, just as He continues to bear all of our burdens today and will continue to bear our burdens each and every day of our lives. Likewise, we also need to bear with one another in love. 
to be there for one another, especially when times are toughest, to be the kind of individuals that look at those that, that you may not know their names or faces if you look around the room, but to be the kind of individuals who say, because you are a brother, because you are a sister in Christ, I will always be there for you. That is the real essence of love. And oh, how the integrity of our witness to one another and to the world increases when you and I bear with one another in love. Paul's short list, those four things, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, that is what you and I have already experienced by God's mercy and God's grace through the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And those are things that God also wants us to enjoy in our relationships with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. And that is why the Apostle Paul urges you and me to live a life worthy of the calling we have received. Because my dear friends, the more Christ-like that you and I can be among one another, the more Christ-like we will be when we are out there in the world. And the more Christ-like that you and I are to those in the world, the more others are going to be drawn to the life-giving, the life-transforming light of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. God grant that to each of us for His glory and for the well-being of others. Amen? Amen.